Well, we all have different thought patterns, different behaviors, different habits that uh, we'd prefer to be done with. Um, If we could just snap our fingers and change that thing, we would do it in a heartbeat. And yet, uh, if we could just get rid of it, we would. And yet, if you think about some of these things, they're not the easiest to get rid of. Um, You know that that particular way you think or that particular thing you keep doing, you know that it's unhealthy. You know that it's not good. If you're a Christian, it might be one of those things that you know that God wouldn't approve of it either, and yet it is so hard to change and to totally eliminate. In fact, some of these things that you're thinking of and that we're going through in this series, um, we can't eliminate them altogether. It's impossible. And yet, with Christ and with his power in our lives, let me tell you, with those things, we may not be able to eliminate them, but we are able to do better and to struggle less. And that's the idea behind this message message series. We're kind of putting a stake in the ground and we're declaring, we're declaring there are certain things in my life that I don't want in my life. And I'm going to abandon the old and I'm going to start new. Now, this week we are tackling a topic that I think all of us have some experience with and all of us can relate to. It's the the feeling or the, the topic of worry. And this is not the first time that I've ever uh, preached a text that directs us towards navigating worry. And every time I preach a text that addresses worry, I, I come to recognize about, you know, halfway through the prep of how complicated and multifaceted worry is. And it is. It's very complicated. And here's what I mean in part, you know, first of all, there are different types of worry. Uh, For instance, sometimes we might call a healthy concern for something um, worry. Like you have a a healthy concern for a loved one who's going through major surgery. Or do you have a healthy concern for (laughs) your spouse as he drives during a snow or an ice storm? And in fact, if you didn't have that healthy concern, maybe you call it worry. If you didn't have that healthy concern, you know, people would wonder if you even cared about that person, right? And, and so that might be one way that people think of worry as a, a healthy concern. It's not the type of worry um, that we're going to be talking about today, though. What we're going to address today is also something we can all relate to. It's this uh, concern that becomes unhealthy. It's this, uh, this concern that we just can't stop thinking about. It's this uneasiness about a topic or about something in the future that keeps us up at night and over time can become this big weight that we carry with us all over the place. It is an unhealthy uneasiness about the future and what we can't control or what we don't know about what might happen in the future. Sometimes I think in our English, we might use the word anxiety for that. And I think a lot of you know that the United States not only is one of the most anxious countries in the world, but that we are getting increasingly more anxious as time goes on. 
A few stats for you to think about. Maybe you can relate to. Maybe this will make you in some ways feel better if you struggle with some anxiety. You're not alone, but the rate of anxiety in America has grown every year, not just since COVID, but for the last 80 years. And I think recently anxiety has grown for some, some really quick factors. One is that there's a heightened awareness of what's going on all across the world. Our phone tells us what's going on in Africa and all over the place, right? And so there's more it seems to worry about. I think another thing is there's just so many more options. And when you have more options to choose from, there's more concern and turns into worry. I think isolation as we become more about our phones and our computers and less about relationships can contribute to this. Here's another one. Anxiety now is the number one mental health issue in America. And number three here, that one in four Americans deal with anxiety on a daily basis. And so in a room this size, there are a lot of people right in this room that struggle and deal with anxiety every single day. Now, here's the reality. No matter what your relationship is with worry, all of us experience worry in some way. You all understand what it feels like to have this unhealthy uneasiness about things in the future that you can't control. And for some of us, it pops up and then it goes away real quickly. For others of us, we understand what it's like to just sort of ruminate on something in our life or something in the future. Sometimes it's our kids or sometimes it's our health. And again, let me just say, It's complicated, and it's multifaceted. When it comes to anxiety and worry, there can be a physiological component. Um, There can be a hormonal component to it sometimes. Um, There can be situational components to it. And sometimes the best thing, one of the good things, when if you're struggling with anxiety, is to see a doctor. It absolutely can be helpful. But here's what I also want you to know, and maybe you're going to push back on it at first, but I just want you to listen to what Jesus has to tell you today and think about it and digest it, is that every single time when it comes to anxiety and worry, there is also a spiritual component. That one of the biggest factors in worry that doesn't go away or an anxiety, or worry that just pops up and goes away, is one of the biggest factors is how we view God. Our first fill-in for today kind of says that the way we view God will affect the way we handle worry. And I'm going to show you what I mean by that as we look at some words from Jesus. But one thing I just want to say ahead of time right now is that I don't want to have some false expectations that after you leave today, after you hear what Jesus says, after you hear this message, that you're never going to worry again. It's like, you know, I I used to be a worrier, but then back in 2023, I went to North Cross this one Sunday and we listened to this message and now I'm cured of my worry. (laughs) Not going to happen. It's going to be something that we continue to need to navigate. But here's what I do know. Every single one of us have the tools through Christ to do better with it, to worry less. And that's my hope for you. See, this topic was such an important one to Jesus that when he preached what 
is his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount as it's come to be known, he spent time talking about worry. And those are the words we're going to look at today. What did Jesus have to say about worry when he had a chance to preach to thousands of people near the Sea of Galilee? Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 is where we'll start. Jesus says, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body and what you will wear. Now, I want you to notice that when Jesus talks about not worrying, what he does is he picks out some things that people 2,000 years would have worried about. Like, am I going to have food today? Will I have clothes that are not, you know, all raggedy? And will I have sandals that work? (laughs) And I was thinking about the things that people worried about 2,000 years ago, and I came to realize, this is just a, a side note, We are so blessed. And I know maybe not everyone can relate to what I'm going to say, but I'm guessing most of you can, maybe all of you. I was thinking, there's not been one day in my life that I've wondered, will I have something to eat today? Now, it may not always be what I want to eat, but I've never wondered, will I be able to eat something today? I've never wondered, um, will I have clothes that don't have holes in them? Some of you buy clothes with holes in them, right? Instead, we go to our closets, we bring in new clothes, and we wonder we have no room, so we throw away clothes that are perfectly fine and replace them with new ones because the style changed, even though they're not worn out. We are so blessed. I think if Jesus was preaching today to Americans, maybe he would say, don't worry about your kids so much. Don't worry about your 401k and your retirement. Don't worry about your health so much. I mean, these are the things that maybe Jesus would have said if he was preaching to us. And the question, obviously, is why? Why should we not worry? I don't know what's going to happen in the future. Well, Jesus continues. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than birds? Let me ask you a question. Have you ever seen a bird drive a plow? (laughs) Thank you, Murray. I always appreciate that. It makes me feel better. Have you ever seen a bird plant seed? Never once. How do they eat? Because God takes care of them. One of the most important things we need to remember, and we're going to come back to this at the end, that come out of this is that you have a heavenly father who cares for you, who loves you, who takes care of birds. And as Jesus said, aren't you more valuable than them? Will he not also? take care of you if he takes care of the birds. Verse 27. Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? We're going to come back to that. And why do you worry about clothes? Look at the flowers of the field. They don't labor or spin yarn. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon, one of the richest men who's ever lived, richest people that ever lived in all his splendor, was dressed as beautifully as one of these flowers. Verse 30. 
If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. So don't worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For that's what the pagans or uh, in this case, people who don't know that there's a heavenly father, people who don't believe that there's a God that takes care of everything. Those, for the pagans run after those things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. So as we look at these verses, Jesus is very clear. Let me summarize. In three different places, he gives us a command in the Greek. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry. Verse 31, so do not worry. Verse 34, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. You see, you want to stop worrying because it's not helpful. It drives you nuts. Maybe it's affecting your health. Thing is, it's not just you that wants to stop worrying. Jesus wants you to stop worrying too. That's our second fill-in for today. God wants you to stop worrying. Jesus doesn't want you to worry. And the question is why? Well, when you look at what Jesus uh, preached, and we're going to look back at it in the verses that I read already, he gives us two specific reasons why Jesus doesn't want you to worry, and both are very helpful and something we should think about. The first one is found in verse 27. I read it before. Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Here's why you shouldn't worry. It doesn't work. It doesn't help. How much does worrying about the drive help your spouse stay on the road? How much does worrying about your kids help them make good decisions as adults? How much does worrying about the economy help you pay the bills? Here's the answer. Zero, zilch, nada, or for our German friends among us, überhaupt nicht. <laughs> we always do Spanish, but not German. It doesn't help at all. In fact, it's interesting. Jesus says, how, much of you, how many of you can add time to your life by worrying? And I don't know if the medical profession would have known this 2,000 years ago. Jesus certainly would have. But the medical profession today knows that it's actually ironic because it's the exact opposite. You don't add hours to your life by constant worrying and anxiety. The medical field tells us that you actually take hours or days or years away. So... As you consider your worry, as you look at what Jesus said, he tells us that God wants you to stop worrying because it doesn't work. Now, I want to clarify something here real quick. I told you it's a multifaceted topic. To not worry doesn't mean don't care. To not worry does not mean to not put in an effort. 
Uh, When Jesus says, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry, he's not saying that you should quit your job, drink ayahuasca for the rest of your life, buy a surfboard, and hang out at the beach, dude. We still have responsibility. We still have brains. We still have the responsibility of... um, doing our best, using the gifts that God has given to us. It's not like, you know, you have a test and you're like, Jesus said not to worry, so I'm not going to (laughs) study. Or it's not like, uh, you know, um, Jesus said, don't worry about what you eat or drink, so I'm going to quit my job because Jesus said not to worry. Or it's not like, you know, my my marriage has some uh, crisis that we're going through, but dear, I'm not going to worry about it. We don't need to go to counseling or we don't need to work on it. I'm just not going to worry. It's not what Jesus is saying. To not worry doesn't mean don't care. I think this is worth writing down if you have a pen. Here's what it means. It means do what you can do about whatever thing it is. If you need to find a job, put out a resume. If you want your kids to make good decisions in the future, you can't control that, but teach them when they're young. You do what you can do, and then trust God to do what only he can do, which is he's in charge of the future. Do what you can do. Trust God to do what only he can do. There was another reason that Jesus mentions about why not to worry. Find it in verse 30 in one of those, at least in one spot here. He says, if this is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? And he's talking about people who worry, and that is who? All of us. Oh, you of little faith. What Jesus is saying is, that when we are constantly worrying about the future, we are doubting the power, the control, and the love of God in part. And I know this might sting to hear, but we need to hear it, that that's sin. That in the midst of our worry, which we all struggle with, is a doubting of God's promises and care and their sin in there. Now, I, I, I know that can sting, and I also want you to know that Christ has paid for that sin on the cross, so it does not need to demoralize you even more if you've been in, you know, what we'll talk about in a moment, the spin cycle of worry. But there is that reality to it that we need to hear, because if we don't talk about it, then we won't confess it, then we won't bring it to the light. And to recognize just, you know, that worry's not a small thing. There's a reason Jesus said, don't worry. Because when we do, it's an offense to the Lord. Here, I'll say it this way. God wants you to stop worrying because it doubts God's goodness and love. So Jesus says, don't worry because it doesn't work. Don't worry because it's a doubting of God's goodness and love. And here's our application. Stop it. Quit. Amen. Let's go home. If only it were that easy, right? 
It's not easy to just stop it. Otherwise, we would. You know, as I was thinking about the the times that I've been worried, as I've talked to people over the years that struggle with constant worry and anxiety, I think maybe one of the best ways that I have found to uh, describe what I felt and what I've heard other people talk with me is uh, sharing with you um, an amusement park ride that I absolutely hate. So it's, it's this ride where you, you and about 10 other people go into this circular room and you all stand against the wall and sometimes they have you know, metal bars to, to hold on to. They should really call it just like the death chamber is what I think. But as the ride begins, the thing starts to spin and then it goes faster and it spins and it spins and it spins and I'm about to throw up just thinking about it, okay? And then you, you know about this ride, right? The, the floor stops to drop out and you're spinning so fast that everyone sticks against the wall. Like, so fun, I'm gonna pay money to do this, right? And then you're done and you're feeling horrible, at least I am, especially as I've gotten older, I cannot spin at all. And um, you, you, you can't walk straight, your equilibrium's off. Let me tell you, that's what it's like to be in a constant pattern of worry and anxiety. You're super focused on the topic or the thing that you're worried about, and you keep thinking about it and thinking about it, and you spin and you spin and you spin, and you don't make any progress, and you're not going anywhere, but all that happens is it's hard to walk straight, it's hard to live healthy, it's hard to be centered because you're spinning so much. Now, if you're in the middle of that amusement park ride and you want to stop the spin, how helpful is it to just, you know, start thinking and concentrating, please stop, please stop. Like just in your brain, just stop, stop, stop. It's about as helpful as it is if you want to fall asleep to think, please sleep, please sleep. Like focusing on the thing doesn't usually help. What you need for that park ride is for something else to happen, for one of the workers to go over and press stop. What do we need to stop the spin cycle of anxiety and worry? Not an amusement park helper. We need to trust and to rely and to go back to the truth of who God is and what he says about you and how he cares for you. I'm going to say it this way. God's truth can stop the spin cycle. See, after Jesus spent all this time talking about why not to worry, it doesn't work, it's, it um, is an affront to God's goodness. Then, in one of the most famous verses in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gives us this direction, which leads us to truth. Verse 33, but after I've talked about the not worrying, here's what you should do. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Do you know why often we are worried about what's going to happen in the future? And, and man, this message is convicting for me too, so it's not just you. That I have too often lived according to what I want and my kingdom, and how I think things should go with the family, and how long I think family members should stay on this earth 
before they go home to heaven and how I should feel and how my job should go or how we earn money or when retirement should happen. We find ourselves not seeking his kingdom when we worry. We so often are seeking our own. And the thing is, when it comes to God's kingdom, it's so much bigger than anything we can see. We, we, we talk about this a lot at North Cross because it's so important to remember when you're not sure what God is up to. When you look at life and you look at the future, it's like looking through a pinhole. You only see so much and it is very little. God sees everything. He's, he's got the lights on. He knows what's going to go on and what's in the future. And ultimately, here's, here's a truth point, that God's kingdom is not a temporal one. His kingdom for you and I is an eternal kingdom. When he sent Jesus, he sent his only son to die, not so that you'll always be happy here on earth, or that you'll always get everything you want. He sent Jesus to die for something much greater than that, that you and I might be able to spend eternity with him forever. Here's the truth. God is going to work in your life in your best eternal interest, no matter what. And sometimes he lets us struggle because sometimes we need his attention. Need, he needs to get our attention. And sometimes he allows things to go exactly the way we prayed for because, well, in his eternal vision, he knew that would be best not just for our temporal, but for our eternal health and life. So as we consider worry, as we consider going back to God's truth it's so important for us to remember who God is and what he has done for us. There will always be uncertainties in life, um, but we don't have to worry when we remember who Jesus is, his perfect kingdom that he's uh, won for us through Jesus. And he's promised to take care of us until we're there with him. So as we close, I want to get really practical with you uh, for a moment as to what it looks like and, and what can, can we do as we consider God's truth. I'm going to say it this way. Number four, to replace your worry with worship. Now, I know that still seems a little bit, you know, nebulous. Like, what does that mean? Like, every day I need to come and sing at church um, in order to replace worry. No, worship is not just what we do here. Worship is understanding and recognizing who God is. It's being in awe of a God who is so much greater, who has a, such a better plan than us. It's a recognition that God is God and I'm his creation. It's waking up every morning and starting with the awe of God. You see, if you start your morning with your phone and all the things that are on your list and all of the things that you're worried about, you're probably going to end your day with worry as well. But if we start with worship, that is an awe of God, that is in his word, a recognition of who he is, I'm not saying you will never worry, remember, it's still going to battle against it. But I do know that God's Holy Spirit will help us 
do better. See, this is who your God is. First of all, God is in control. He's your heavenly father and you are his children. Number two, God is good. He's perfect and his ways are always good and perfect as well, even when we don't understand them. And number three, about the truth of God, he loves you. And if you're not sure about that, you look to the cross and you see his son bleed and die for you. And there is no other thing to come out of that except a recognition of his love for you. God is in control. God is good. God loves you. So God... Um, you know how much this job will help me or us with our finances. But you are in control. You are good. And I know you love me. So I'm going to trust you. God, you know how much I want this relationship to work out but you are in control, you are good, and you love me. And so I'm gonna trust you. God, you know how much I want my loved one to be healed. But you are in control, you are good, and you love me. So I trust you. And I don't know if you're feeling what I'm feeling. You probably are. But the, the grip of worry starts to let go of us just a little bit and maybe a lot bit for some of us as we recognize these three things about the truth of God. And when we're in that place, when we understand God is in control, God is good, and God loves you, you know what you begin to experience? What Paul wrote and called this, the peace of God which transcends human understanding, the peace of God which the world doesn't understand, the peace of God which only God's children can really understand and enjoy. And so whatever it is you're worrying about, I want you to know, God's in control. God is good. And he loves you. Let's pray. Dear Lord, uh, as long as we are this side of heaven, there are going to be things that we can worry about and that we do worry about. And maybe for all of us today, though, where we need to start is just the confession that we have doubted your promises. We have doubted your goodness and we want you and we ask you to forgive us for that. But Lord, as we look towards the, the future, we know that you walk with us. We know that you are good, that you're in control and you love us. And I pray that you would move us to live in the peace of that understanding more and more every day. You, you want us to not worry, not only because it's sinful, but even more than that, or along with that, because you know it's better for us and you love us that much. We pray all this in Jesus, our Savior's name. Amen.